Hi, and welcome to Voice of the Artist Dance Edition, where we're listening to the thoughts and perspectives of dance artists and dance professionals through and beyond their creative work. I'm Sandy Rosine, Creative Director at Bez Arts Hub, and we're glad you've joined us. Hi everyone, this is Sandy Rosine. Um, this is Voice of the Artist Dance Edition. And we are about to um, be joined today. Danielle and I will be joined by Ashley Sweet. And I'm gonna give just a, a quick little synopsis of, of, Dan of uh, Ashley and life with Ashley. Um, <laughs> Ashley is a dance artist who has collected 20 years of experience working locally and abroad as a professional dance artist industry-leading teacher, choreographer, and adjudicator. She's had a broad and immersive experience in a variety of opportunities from film to stages to television to interdisciplinary work, making her mark amongst most um, uh, many notable artists as performer, producer, dance director, and more. Most recently, Ashley has stepped into a forever role as a mom, which is her favorite job and proudest creation. That's so touching. I love that. <laughs> so quite predictably with this introduction, we're actually going to talk today about movement and motherhood. Um, just talking about dance careers um, and how they shift and adjust according to our roles as moms um, and dance careers and trying to find that balance. So Danielle also is a new mom. Uh, Danielle, how old is Brooklyn now? Uh, obviously with our like rough start, four right. months, you know, adjusted. So she is technically 18 months, but she should be 14 months. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. I was curious. Yeah. 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 And for you, Ashley, <laughs> how old? Uh, Stevie will be two and a half on January 1st. Okay. Okay. Aww. So you're in the yeah. fun years of toddlerhood. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then I'm a mom of, of three adult daughters um, who also are dancers. Um, so I would love, yeah, um, they don't dance much anymore, which is unfortunate. I hope they will actually return to it because I, I love them dancing. Um, but let's maybe talk, let's talk first of all about your backstory, um, Ashley, and kind of where you started, what kind of has been the, the you know, high points of your career, things that you've, you know, really valued. And then we'll mm -hmm. kind of step into the other territory of how that all jives with motherhood. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I started like most young toddlers start. Um, <laughs> I, I think I was probably three or four years old. Uh, and I've always been very animated and outgoing and kind of the center of attention in my family. So my mom got me quickly into dance. I was not into sports, not a sporty spice whatsoever. Um, and yeah, I just kind of lived and breathed that dance studio life as Daniel knows. And mm -hmm. we, I was very heavily into competitive dance, like from a very young age, uh, tap dancing, ballet, jazz, lyrical. There wasn't contemporary at the time. I don't think I started doing modern dance until my teen years. Um, 
And then my mom, you know, obviously saw that there was a a talent there and an interest and it was going to be a big passion of mine. Um, so she got me enrolled at the Langley Fine Arts School, mm. which was, at the time, I was really sad to leave my friends at whatever current school I was yeah. at. And that, and I think that happens a lot with uh, young artists or people that are really driven with a certain activity that like balance between your social life and just being a normal kid and then really pursuing your dreams, which you have to from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily I'd made that transition to the fine arts school. And I think that was the best decision my mom ever made because it just really nurtured um, an environment for all of us to just kind of be ourselves. Like I remember we'd be walking around in our ballet tights and bodysuits around the hallways. And like, <laughs> it was, it was kind of like out of the movies, what you would think in art school would right. be like, right. everyone, had their major, and there was kind of clicks that way. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it gave me the opportunity to, to travel. So we, um, with the dance company that I was part of, which Daniel was also a part of, I'm like basically saying your bio right now. Too. It's the same story. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so cool to be able to travel through with a dance company, um, with my peers and my friends, but we were more so pursuing, like, that's where I learned anatomy and I learned modern dance and the history of dance. Cause that wasn't really taught to us at our, our competitive dance schools, at least the one I was at or the multiple schools I was at, um, which I think would be a great thing for teachers to really bring more when there's time. I know there's not enough time in the schedule to always be teaching about dance history, but it was nice to be able to learn that at school. Mm-hmm. And I was um, able to just kind of like be shown all these options of where my career could go um, and start to like visualize wh- what it could be from a really young age. And then by the time I was 15, I think that's when I started working professionally and getting paid to dance um, through uh, my te- my main teacher growing up with jo- was Jocelyn Peden and Tammy Sanderson, um, and they 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 had a they really gave a lot of opportunities for young dancers throughout Canada, um, and they gave me my first job. So I worked for PRP Productions, and I was dancing all summer long, getting paid to do it. I was like, this is the best. I don't have to work at McDonald's. Not that that's bad. You get great training there, but it was really um, nice to just like make a income at at 15 dancing um, and starting to meet people like like-minded artists such as myself. Um, then what happened, I was competing, obviously. So I was doing things like most dancers would do my age where we would work towards going toward the uh, provincials um, in BC. So that's where everyone would get, there'd be like one dancer hand selected from each competition or festival. And then we'd all go to a certain location. So I think I went to Vernon and Victoria, Penticton, Kamloops. Um, and then we'd all, you'd all get to like compete against like the cream of the crop dancers from your province. And those memories are just like the best ever. Mm. Um, and that's where I developed like all the relationships I still have to this day, which is mm. crazy, like 10 years later. And we're all kind of still doing the same thing. So it just truly says something that like something special, there was like magic going on yeah. at that time. 
And that's actually rare that so many of yeah. you would continue in the industry. A lot of us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ended up going off to do So You Think You Can Dance. And those people were like on the same stages as us in Ch- at Chilliwack, you know, festival. And right. then you see them years later on TV. And it was just like remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, like look back on that. And then moving forward to my graduating years, I ended up, I really wanted to pursue, like I wanted to go to the States and I wanted to live in LA and uh, I wanted to be a backup dancer. And that was kind of a a dream that I don't know if I actually wanted that for myself, but I saw so many people doing it that it was kind of like a, I see them doing it. And I think that's so cool. And I want to do that because they're doing that. But I think at that I wasn't really in tune with what Ashley really needed and wanted and the environment that Ashley needed. Mm. So I think I spent a couple years kind of riffraffing, <laughs> um, go, living in the States, living in and out of uh, LA and New York, um, pursuing trying to get my work visa there, uh, but no wasted time because I was training and networking and yeah. working a little bit um, in the States and developing the, the kind of training that I really needed to pursue where I am now. So no wasted time, but I realized while I was there, like, I don't want to live in LA. I like Canada. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was just for me, but I, I was able to develop those relationships and get that training. So no regrets. Um Fast forward, I I did the Source Dance Company with Joanne Pasusic, Um, but things really cha- changed when I joined Modus Operandi, which is a, like, I can't say enough good things about this contemporary post-secondary program. It is phenomenal. I did it in the first year that it ever was created, and I feel like it's really, like, evolved since then. Now it's like a four-year program. Um, A lot of my students who are doing it nowadays are moving on and now they're dancing in Europe with Crystal Pite or they're, you know, they're really getting sent off to do really big things, which doesn't always happen because there's so many training programs out there that you don't know how to choose, like what's actually going to give you work and feel like a university experience, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. like Modus is that. Um, and that just kind of changed my view of what I wanted. Um, I realized that I wasn't as into commercial dance as I thought. Mm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a organic weird. I want to be weird. I want to, um, explore the opportunities of my body. Um, roll on the floor, (laughs) do ballet. Like that was, that was it. And it was amazing. And I feel like it changed the course of my career in terms, I was now getting hired all the time to do contemporary work, um, choreography. That's when like, I really blossomed as a choreographer. And I mean, all the while I was still teaching dance uh, at studios. So I was teaching kids since I was a kid. And, um, and I just like grew a really big love for it. It was able to pay my bills. I was able to have like a realistic lifestyle. Um, something I should say is like, I've always wanted to be able to be like a normal person <laughs> and also be an artist. So like, I wanted to have a family and I wanted to maybe not the white picket fence kind of life, but like, it is really hard to do both. So yeah, 
possible and that's what we're here to talk about but it's mm-hmm. it, you have to be realistic about you know some things that you I can't go traveling the world all year long and then also have a baby unless I have like a major support system that's going to do that with me and that's just something mm-hmm. that I wasn't willing to do or to find that balance in your life so I think it was around age of 27 maybe that I like started to like settle into a lifestyle in Vancouver, um, getting jobs in Vancouver, not always seeking to like go everywhere else and just like really make a nest of where I am. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it takes people a while because you just when you're a dreamer, like we are, you want to do everything everywhere else and like you don't want to miss an opportunity. So yeah, it was a nice like peaceful moment to like settle in who I am and where I am and just like love that. And I feel very happy with those choices. Um, on my resume, I was doing, I've done a lot of film and TV work. That's, those have been really special moments. Those have felt like big moments for me. Um, but I am on, you're on set for 12 hours a day and you're getting no sleep. So it doesn't feel very good in the moment, but when you see the outcome afterwards, that that's been great. I've been able to work with uh, local artists and and create. I worked for a company called the Lovers Cabaret, and we created like out of thin air these amazing magical shows, um, integrating contemporary dance and cabaret and storytelling and acting um, all in one, and and giving local work to artists at local venues and just bringing the community together. I think those have been some of my biggest highlights. Um, I've been able to work with some of my favorite artists, such as like Heather Dotto is one of my best friends and my favorite choreographer ever. I've been able to work with her and she's really been like a mentor for me um, in developing my skills as a choreographer and a dance teacher and such as. Uh, So that's kind of where I'm at right now before I had a kid and then everything changed. Uh, (laughs) But it, it was basically like training, dancing, working at a young age, like I said, riffraffing around, figuring out where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And then finally settling in to like the lifestyle I'm in now in Vancouver. Um, And then, yeah, now I'm just adjudicating as much as I can and teaching as much as I can um, and grasping every opportunity that I have time for these days. Nice. Nice. I feel like that was an hour worth of (laughs) description. <laughs> it's good. No, we didn't great. have to pop no, in for questions. <laughs> a couple things, but that's the gist of it. Excellent. Um, Ashley, how is your, like, like, how do I put it? Your process of maybe a choreographer shifted since having your little one? I feel like it's like, I have to really delegate. I have to be better with my time because before mm-hmm. I would have like all day to prepare for anything. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's like a very short window of preparation. So if anything, I feel less prepared. And Mm -hmm. it's forced me to make decisions quicker because I've never been, like if you ask my students, I change things multiple times or it takes me a really long time to like stick with something. So I feel like it's made me be more decisive and it's, it's improved my time management skills and it's improved my ability to ask for help. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
my process before was just like, oh, I have so much time in the world and I can like write everything down and dream it up. And now it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's a good idea. We're going to stick with it. Um, and to be honest, I've really enjoyed a lot of my stuff even more now because maybe mm-hmm. I, I'm less obsessive about it. So there's no time to obsess. And, and really it's now it's like, okay, this is my job. And like, if I was a lawyer or whatever, if I had a nine to five job, you would like go do your job and then you'd come home Mm -hmm. and you'd maybe clear your mind a little bit from it. And I feel like I do that a bit more now Mm, in my Mm process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I relate to that so much because it's not like I didn't like love my work before, but it was just, it became quite, um, like I knew what I was doing. I was in a routine. I knew the day to day, everything I had so much time and now I have no time if I'm lucky during nap time I might be able to like prep some stuff but like Mm -hmm. really it's just like you show up you do your job and then you go home and you're just like with your little perfect little person right so like you just have to be so diligent and like I'm loving my stuff so much more now I don't know if I care more now or if it's just like that time is so much more valuable so I'm like I'm taking time away from her yeah. to be here let's do the best I can do so I can go back home be with my little one so it's like it's weird right but you calculate in those like the sick days or the days where you yes. stay up at night because your kid didn't yes. sleep or and on those days like there's no planning and I just feel mm-hmm. so grateful for my years of experience because I do feel like I can just I can show up and just do it. Like, even if I don't have anything prepared. And I think that like, if I was 20, it would be a different story, but because I have some experience under my belt, I can just like, it just comes out of me now. And I feel really grateful for that. Yeah. So that I can be a mom and and be present for my kid when I need to be, because she's priority. So there's no, you know what I mean? Like if I not the greatest dance, then that, that's okay because I have to be there for her. So, 100%. When you yeah. just like, I just saw your eyes just like light up. I could just feel it. I was like, <laughs> when you just brought up your little one, I, I too, I just like felt this like warmth in my body. I was like, oh, we love our baby. <laughs> well, and, and I wonder too, I mean, the challenge for you guys. Um, I didn't grow up in the world that you grew up in, in that whole competitive, your life is dance world. My my dance came very late in life. Yeah. Um, but it must be a, a real internal shift to move from everything has to be at this out of this world level um, in your dance to now going realistically with kids. Mm-hmm. I can't do that any describe what that shift is like or was it a shift at all for you did it come naturally it's also you just like I just feel so much more comfortable in myself now and you have Mm. to because it's such a humbling experience Mm. to become a mom and the changes in your body is one thing like I always have struggled with body image being a dancer um and then you know there's no hiding that when you get pregnant like that is that's it and that and and you have to celebrate it and you have to like really oh it's it's I I could go on and on and on about that that's a whole other hour conversation but (laughs) I feel like before having it it was like I'm constantly you're constantly auditioning like always Mm -hmm. and even now I guess I am but it's not the priority anymore and I I've come this far I'm still working um I must be doing something right like there's just a shift in like and just things just don't feel as 
crucial as they used to. And uh, yeah, we're grown mm-hmm. up in an environment where it's like, you better look a certain way. You better act a certain way. You better talk to people a certain way. Um, and like, without being crude, I just don't give a bleep as much anymore. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I, um, if you like me, if you want me, this is who I am. Um, you, what you see is what you get. And I think that was a big shift once I became, and I think COVID did that too. COVID yeah. and parenthood mm-hmm. happened at the same time for me. Yeah. Um, it was like, you know, you find your people and they're, and, and I, I recommend that for any dancers who are up and coming. It's like, find your, your group or not your group, but like the people that are going to be there for you. Um, and obviously like network with people and invite different opportunities your way, but you do need that safe space so that you can mm-hmm. sleep at night, mm-hmm. feel confident in yourself. Um, and, and now I look at myself and I'm like, I created this gorgeous, spunky, talented little being. Mm-hmm. Um, and she makes, when I see her, I see like my little, my little self who like I could cry talking about just cause my little girl self was just the sweetest, cutest little precious angel. And I, and I spent so many years like beating her up in my head. Mm. And now I look at my daughter and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want anyone to treat her the way that I treated myself. So I'm setting an example for her. So I need to like celebrate myself and be really happy with, you know, who I am um, so that, that translates to her. So I'm still working on it. Oh my gosh, it's not perfect. But that's, I like what you're saying, Ashley, because I think that's a a really huge realigning factor is, is to um, kind of re-relate to yourself in the past (laughs) and connect it to who your child is right now. It's, it's pretty sobering to, to, um, To recognize, and, and Danielle and I talk a, a lot about this in our podcast, but um, how we have treated the little ones in our studios um, in order to get them to, you know, reach those marks and go further. And, and, and there just is an inclination to forget how we and precious and sensitive and all of that, that they are until you suddenly are raising one and going, what are we doing? (laughs) And I think it's a really important thing for those of us who run dance studios and teach dance classes to keep reflecting back on that. Who are these we ones that we've been entrusted with and how can we treasure who they are rather than trying to produce machines who do what we want them to be, you know? And I I think I've even always been an advocate for that as a teacher, even before I became a parent, because based on, like, I mean, my teachers were great. I have nothing but great things to say, but, and I realize now that everyone's improvising and everyone's living their life for the first time and it's, there's no dress rehearsal. Um, But I do think there was some vocabulary and conversations used with me as a student that like still eat at me to this day and kind of had a major impact in the course of how things went for me. Um, So I'm very careful about how I conduct uh, myself with my students. And I try to just only celebrate them um, from my weakest student to my most advanced. Like I hope that they don't feel 
a gap between each other. Um, I don't work with youngsters as much anymore. Um, but when I did, it was just nothing but celebration of who they are. Um, and, and if anything, like avoiding the cookie cutter, uh, I think it's so interesting to, even as an adjudicator to see, you know, studios produce work where it's like, Oh, I see that girl in the back and she's so tall and she's really standing out to me versus this girl in the front who looks a little bit different. Like I love the variety, um, that we're seeing nowadays. Like, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, cause I don't think it was like that when we were mm. growing up. So mm. things are changing for the better, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley, do you have any advice? Cause like as a fellow judge too, I do understand like the power our words have over people. Cause like, for instance, it was a Chilliwack early days. I was probably in like grade seven or eight, but someone phrased a certain thing uh, to all of us that just kind of like made me be like, okay, I'm lesser than everybody else. What am I going to do about it? And I've never forgotten it. I'm 34 now. And I keep that in the back of my head, like anytime I'm teaching or anytime I'm talking to someone younger, because they are so impressionable. And, um, if I could take that back for that person, I would, I don't have that power. Um, but at that, to the same thing, uh, it helped me be a better teacher, hopefully, and better judge. But do you have any maybe advice for people? Because gosh, I know it, we get tired. Like It happens, they're long days, you're exhausted, you're probably sick too. Sometimes I've been sick most of the time. Um, but do you have any advice for adjudicators in that type of way? I think it's just like, remember your experience. Um, I've seen adjudicators kind of get a little power hungry, if for lack of a better term. Um, you know, like, remember why you're there. And it's not to, you are there to teach and you are there to give feedback. Um, but I'd say mainly you're there to inspire and you're there to, like, keep contributing to the, the, the growth in, in people's love and passion for what they're doing. You're not there to, like, I, I, for lack of a better term, you're not there to rip them apart. You're not there Mm-mm. to um, put your trauma onto them, uh, 100%. you know? And I'm, I'm sure there's things that have come out of my mouth, especially with these voice adjudications that, you know, on that 12th hour, that I'm like, uh-oh, what was I saying? Or gibberish or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, <yeah. laughs> so, you know, as, as a student, like if you're, if you are putting your kids into competitions as a studio owner and a student, try to keep that in mind that we're all not perfect, but as an adjudicator, mm-hmm. you are there to inspire. You're there to like, without being too um, light about it, but you, you do want to, just you want them to come back. You want them to go to class the next day. You don't want to steer yeah. them away from what they're doing. You want to, and there's ways to do that through constructive criticism um, without without beating people down. And I, I know exactly okay. like what you mean. I have so many sentences in my head that I hold on to this day. And I don't know, I go back and forth whether I wish they happened or I wish they didn't because... Mm-hmm. I wonder if they hadn't happened, like, would I be who I am now? I don't know. So, yeah. right. There, I guess there's no planning that and there's no, you know, changing what has happened in the past. But I think that would be my advice. It's like, remember where you came from and like put yourself in their position. Um, Cause we were mm-hmm. once those like little girls up on that stage as well. 
and just to keep it like keep the love there keep the the inspiration over beating people down yeah (laughs) well and just kind of in that direction as well um since being a mom um has your thoughts on the things that you're seeing on stage or the things that you're even creating for stage, has that changed since being a mom? It, like, do you have a different priority or perspective on, on those things? What you want, maybe even thinking, what do, I, what do I want my kid to be doing on the stage when they go to the stage? Like, what things are changing True. for you? I mean, it's weird. I feel like my answer to this isn't what people would think. Like, if anything, I feel like I'm trying to, like, live up. Like, I'm trying to keep up with myself now that I've become a mom. Mm. My body doesn't feel like it can do all the things that it used to. Um, So I'm really, if anything, I'm really using my students as inspiration. Like, I'll... I'll create a dance and then someone's like, oh, how do you come up with that stuff or whatever? And I'm like, you know what? It's really them who's coming up with mm-hmm. it. But it's me who's like, you know, oh, Emily, can you like just torque your hips that certain way? And so if anything, I've become more of an observer in my mm-hmm. creation. I'm seeing mm-hmm. instead of me doing everything and then them watching me do it to learn, it's like I'm kind of using, I'm using my words a lot more. Um and then there's some really like cool stuff that's starting to happen, an evolution in my choreography that way. Um, I'm mainly com- creating contemporary dance. So I feel like what bugs me mainly when I'm adjudicating is seeing people that are not sticking to a genre. Um, I don't know if that's just me being, I don't know. But old And so I think I would be picky about like if if my daughter decides to dance and I am not gonna pressure that on she could do whatever she wants. Um, but I would probably be pursuing choreographers who are going to stick to the genre that we're, you know, paying them to to create mm-hmm. for my kid, because it does make a difference at competition. Um And then when it comes to like maybe jazz and hip hop and that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course, I feel like dancers are over-sexualized on stage at too young of an age. Um, I think that there's, you know, certain costumes that I would not want my kid to be wearing. And I would have no problem saying so to the teacher because Mm -hmm. I am one. Um, But for me, it would be as simple as, okay, okay, you're out of that and you're on to the next. So Mm -hmm. it would, I would be pretty... Cutthroat about it, and I usually vocalize that. Like as an adjudicator, I will say something, um, just because I think my dance teacher. I I was kept young while I was. You're only a kid for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. so be a kid. And then you know, as a teenager, it's natural for things to start to. You know, you're becoming a young ad- adult, so exploring certain feelings through the moods of your routine. I I'm not opposed to that. Um, in a tasteful, educational, safe way. Um, but, you know, under, under the age of 15, they're kids. So keep them kids and keep it the topics kid-like. And there's so many great songs out there to use that yeah. don't have swear words or explicit talk topics that you can be. And I've always felt that way, even before having a kid. But yeah, 
oh my gosh, if she was dancing out there in a little corset, I'd have something to say. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah so many of those things <laughs> um so tell me tell me what has have been the challenges of juggling I mean this is probably a question for both of you um of juggling motherhood and still having a dance career what have been the biggest challenges and and like be gritty about this like <laughs> <laughs> like my, my kid just pooped through their entire outfit and I'm headed out the door and, you know, whatever those things are. <laughs> well, I feel like our motherhood experiences have been completely different. And Danielle, I would yeah. love to like take time to hear about your story. I feel like I've only heard about it through social media and stuff like that. Yeah. But I feel like our experiences, like I can't even imagine I can't even imagine like all what your last two years have been like mm-hmm. and trying to trying to also juggle a career alongside that like you must have such mm-hmm. a great support system to be able to handle all that and I just I feel like one of the questions you guys gave me beforehand was like who inspires you and your name would be on that list because it would just be so I I really like my knock on wood we haven't really had any health issues or you know anything go away it was Stevie thank god and mm-hmm. um I fully admit that I would I'm the kind of person who would just I would check out and and mm-hmm. I just admire you so much for like continuing on and it really says something about your character to mm-hmm. be able to just like keep going and then now you look at you have mm-hmm. this beautiful healthy little girl I'm so lucky mm-hmm. so, so lucky yeah like yeah. it's remarkable um mm-hmm. for me personally it's just been I've really cut back drastically and I've kind of accepted that you know my late 30s are going to be a, my child bearing years and I'm going to be chasing mm-hmm. toddlers around and I really look mm-hmm. forward to um focusing more on my career in my 40s but like right now I'm just, I've really taken a step back and I'm very, I've learned how to say no. Um, I like my job better because I'm doing it less. Like I'm not as, so if anything, I mean, financially it's not great, but it's, but I've, I've cut back drastically and I have the people that I work for are extremely understanding if I do need to take time away I haven't really had to take much time away though, to be honest. So, um, you know, grandma helps out. Uh, my husband is able to help out as much as he can. And, um, but I, I, I'm pursuing less. So it, it, yeah, like I would like to be doing more. I'd like to be doing TV and film again. I'd like to be doing more freelance, um, choreography with professionals, but that right now just has to be on a pause. And and that's just something Mm -hmm. I have to accept and, and I'll go back to it, but Mm -hmm. it just has to Mm -hmm. take a moment. Mm -hmm. And how about for you, Danielle? Ashley and I have like a huge overlap in terms of like the outcome of having a baby. So like my twenties, I didn't have twenties. I was in the studio, like working my butt off and just, I don't have any memories of like doing anything fun because I was just like a workhorse, but it got me to this point where I could have my daughter later in my thirties and be like much more grounded and just like ready for what was to come. Cause 
I can't say like at 24, I would have been able to sustain what happened to us and like be okay. And um, like to say that I like, I just had to survive. That's what I had to do. Like there was just like no way of me giving up on her because she was so strong. So I had to be strong too. So just like to see your baby not breathing or like, you know, constantly having to be like resuscitated, you're just like, you, you change. And like, I could care less about all the things that happened to me before in my life. Like that made me who I am today, all the ups and downs. Sandy is very aware of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah, that had to happen for me to be who Brooklyn needed. And I'm not okay. I'm not okay at all. Um, But I will get there because like, you know, she was so strong. I have to be strong too. So So that's just what it is. Yeah. And I think, Danielle, it's worth saying that some of what happened through your dance career um, became some of the debilitating factors, even to being pregnant and the baby not doing well. Like, would you say that, that some of the factors of, of what happened to your body during your dance career... Um, probably. I'm sure it had something to do with it. That was more so just like structurally how I was made. That's why this okay. is kind yeah. of why it happened. Yeah. Um, and like former surgeries that didn't go great that caused it to happen. Um, but like in terms of maybe like my mental stability, I would say dance had a lot to do with like the weakening of, you know, uh, mm. some stuff for me. But um, but no, the the dance side of it, I don't think really had a lot okay. to do with. Okay the outcome of it but um but yeah maybe it made me stronger because I was was like okay you had this happen you know for sure (laughs) you know for sure if anything it probably made you made you mentally stronger like the things we think that make us weak somehow grow resiliency and like thicken our skin and I could see that you for sure because I mean yeah like I say I wouldn't be able to deal with it but you when you're in it you're like of course you could no way but through so you you know, and I know that about you and I know that about your family. So I have no, I have no doubts there, but like, you're not alone. Like it's, you're not the only person that these things have happened to. And oh my gosh, no. Right. So it happened so much more than I knew. Like, like my baby happened to be that baby of that month that was born that early. But then there was like a new baby every time in the scary rooms in the NICU that we were in, in the same situation. Moms had a totally different reason why but the babies had the same outcome and it was just like incredible and very humbling. And I do know that about like cancer patients too. Like we have a member of our family dealing with that and you know, you just see other people going through it and you can't really um, be too like self-indulgent and be like, Oh, woe with me. It's like, okay, I'm not alone. Like there are so many people going through something at this moment right now yeah. that you think is unbearable, yeah. but you're going to get through it yeah. regardless of the outcome. Right. And that, and that mirrors into the dance industry too. Cause I think oftentimes okay. we feel so alone in what we're going through or even as a young artist or a choreographer and you just feel like I'm the only person who's not getting hired or I'm the only person, yeah. whatever. Um, and you're not like, it's this major, no. major network and everyone ha- is going through it in their own right. Um, but it's okay. It's okay to feel alone. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself too. Like it's, it's hard. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, and that's the tricky part, isn't it? Is um, 
And I feel like you, the two of you both have, have done such a great job of valuing um, motherhood right now and what that is. I, I don't feel like that's been typical. I feel like, um, yeah, and maybe it's because of the generation I am, which is, you know, women who were able to start to go into the workforce. Now we've got to make it work. And, and there was mm-hmm. such a drivenness from my generation for women who had to pause for kids um, and, and kind of leave what they valued in work and the drivenness and getting there and achieving things. Um, and I, I, you know, so as a compliment to you guys, I really appreciate that you're saying, look, like I've got these kids how long and I really mm-hmm. need to make the most of it now. This matters to me. Um, that's, that's really huge. And that, that's a really great testimony to, um, family and being moms and giving that value again, um, I think is really important. Um, funny, funny because I kind of sit between a generation of moms who didn't go to work and then, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we started to go to work and now all moms go to work. It feels like, (laughs) And, um, yeah, so anyways, just as a, as a, a, a thing for you guys. And so I'm going to skip to the next question then, just um, what methods or advice for other working moms do you have in the same field? What are kind of the keys that you've picked up for how to keep that balance of valuing these kids, but then stepping still as effectively into your career um, in ways that, that are meaningful? Well, I I keep going back to you to have a good support system Hmm. is to me, it's my lifeline to be able to, because there's no way you can do it by yourself. I don't think you can do both by yourself. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally do not have childcare other than myself Mm. (laughs) and my husband. um, So obviously, you know, childcare, but not everyone can afford that. So I think it's like giving yourself grace, um, knowing that, you know, you can't always give 100% of yourself to everything, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, there's a there's a question about balance. And for me, I've found, like, as much as I love being a parent, it is the most draining, exhausting, relentless job I've ever done. <laughs> and... I often you like, would you would think es- dance would be that, but no, motherhood is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. Um, and there's often times where I'm like, I need to get out of this house like right now, and I have right. no problem. I, you want to talk about the bad parts about motherhood? I will go off. Um, <laughs> but I think that's like where you, I find my drive is like, okay, I need a break. I need to go work. Mm-hmm. I need find an opportunity. Um, yay. I get to go to the studio for 10 hours on Sunday and, you know, create movement and use my brain and use my skill. And so that would be my, is like, cause I, I know a lot of moms, I know a lot of moms that have felt really guilty about leaving their kids at a young age. Um, and I know a lot of moms who haven't even, and then I know other moms who were like kids in daycare at, you know, three months old, like, I'm going back to work. And, you know, so it's 
I don't know if there's a right or a wrong reason, but for me, per, or a way, but for me personally, it's been, yeah, like having my support system so that I can call upon them when it's time for me to go do what I need to do and them knowing the value of what I do um, so that I can contribute to myself and to my family. And, you know, having that time to go to a yoga class, go to Pilates, go have a drink with a friend. Um, it took me a while to get to that place. But once I realized like that helps me be a better mom and it helps me be a better artist, um, I I had no problem chiseling those hours into my week because then I feel like a whole person instead yeah. of just or just a choreographer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's really hard. But I think the main thing is your support system mm. and like giving yourself mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. And how about for yeah. you, Danielle? What would you say? Um, well, I'm notorious for not asking for help regardless of the situation, like ever, um, to the point where like I'd make myself like ill over mm. it. Um, but I was told by a family member who had love for me, like, let it go. Like, you can't do it all. You can do 95% of it, but give me 5%. Yeah. And I was just like, but I can't do it. <laughs> like, I just can't. <laughs> Until I did one day and I was like, okay, so I can like focus on things outside of that. I can still be a great mom, if not a better mom, because I'm having that 5% break. Yeah. Um, not to sit around, but I like to be efficient. So I'll do like questions for the podcast or like go for a walk or, you know, go to the studio. And for me, that is my balance is me getting to actually have time to work yeah. um, and do things outside of being a mommy, even though it's my job a hundred percent of the time normally. But, yeah. um, but yeah, work is my balance to be honest. I know that's really yeah. a weird thing to say but like I'm really loving it and I feel way more passionate about it and I do it so much less than I used to Hmm. um and like I just like I'm right now as of today like living that like green mommy life I've got my precious little miracle and I have a job and I couldn't be happier like it's just that is everything to me right now so that's amazing that's amazing well and interesting I I've been working um most of my later career here with young adults and teen and, you know, late teens, early young adult. And I asked them the question, um, you know, we kind of talked through their family life, how things were, what things didn't go so great. And, and ask them, I asked them one day, if you had your parents do it all over again, what would you have them do differently? And you know that every single one of them said, I wish my parents had taken better care of themselves. Wow. Yeah. Every Aww. single one of yeah, them said that. Yeah. Because what, what we don't realize is how much, um, number one, our kids see that we're, we're you know, giving and giving and mm-hmm. giving and giving and giving. And then they see us getting more angry and getting more, you know, yeah. tired or whatever. So they see that. Um, on the one hand, and then on the other hand, I actually think that they start to bear that burden, that they begin to recognize that all the things that we're carrying, and especially the very compassionate ones, will will feel the obligation or or you know a burden of having to 
care for us when actually they're too young to, that they can't. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, as much as it feels like we're taking away from our kids every time we go to do something, it actually has the in, entirely opposite effect. We actually, they know we have more to give them when we do that. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a funny, weird little equation that doesn't seem to match up, but it is what makes more sense. Yeah. So. Thank you for sharing that. Cause like, honestly, that's huge. Cause like I, I can relate to that so massively cause my dad, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's huge. And you know, that stuff does affect your children long term. So yeah, I'm gonna write that note down. <laughs> I really, hundred. I think that is why I make it a priority to take care of myself is because mm-hmm. of how I was brought up. Because my mom lived and breathed me. I was her, and I, I God, I'm so grateful. Um, but that would be my biggest wish dream for her would be for her to put herself first and to yeah. take care. Because your kids grow up, right? So, you know, when I'm in my 30s and I'm still that person to her, um, and so is my daughter now, but um, my dream for her would be just to forget everybody and, you know, give give 50% at least to herself and I, or even to your marriage or to whatever, like, because um, they are watching and I was watching and mm-hmm. I, I think it is a huge, that's like, really refreshing to hear you say because it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's the part we forget is and especially because it's we're a generation of helicopter parents where you're in there and you're with your kids and you're making sure that you're doing all the stuff and that you don't miss a beat, you don't miss a thing. And and I don't think I don't think that's that's ever been a realistic way to look at how to raise kids. I mean, we always say it takes a village. Well, why does it take a village? Because our kids actually value having input from other people. So it's not just getting babysat. It's actually making them part of a village instead of our lives being you know revolving around them and them feeling like the center mm-hmm. of the universe. I, I actually think it developed narcissists. I think that's what actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, our taking time for ourselves is is actually to balance out that picture and give them more people to connect with and um, more opportunities for us to be filled. So, yeah, it all comes around. I think it's all good. <laughs> I'm going to go book that spa appointment right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, do it, do it. Um, Danielle, we're coming kind of to the end of our conversation, but do you have any other things that you wanted to put in question-wise or conversation-wise? I'll just like do the very last question because I think it's important for our babies to hear back, you know, conversations that we've had before. Um, Ashley, do you have anything you want to say to Stevie? Anything you want to just kind of (laughs) like... pass on to her I mean I get yes but also no because I think I'm gonna do I'm gonna make sure that she hears everything straight from my mouth like that's a big I will be telling her every day for the rest of my time here like how special and important she is something that I've Something that I always come back to when people like ask me about her and like what I want her to know is that I feel like she was 
like from the moment that she arrived, it felt like she, it was like she was always with me from the beginning of my life. Mm. Like even as a little kid, like it's as if I had this like imaginary friend who was her and I didn't actually meet her until she was born. Um, But I just know that she's always belonged with me and yeah, it makes me emotional. Um, (laughs) I feel like she's just always belonged with, like she's always been a part of me. She's always clearly been inside me. And Mm -hmm. I just think that like her existence is just a celebration. And if I, even if I didn't know her, I'd be obsessed with her. Like she's such a main mm-hmm. character energy. Um, and I hope that she always like holds on to that and doesn't let anybody suppress that. Um, yeah. And she's like literally my dream come true. So mm. yeah. Mm. So beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and are there any any things that are coming up for you, new adventures, or is this your adventure right now? Um, I'm pregnant. Yeah. You go ahead. Go ahead. She's having a baby. Oh, you I'm, are? Did you just say you're pregnant? I'm very new. I'm very freshly pregnant. So that will be my new creation. Congratulations. Wonderful. Congratulations. I, it's probably too new, too new to even tell people, but I, I'm trying to like get rid of the stigma of people, you know, if something bad happens, then something bad happens. And then we'll cross, we'll talk about that when that happens. But Mm -hmm. so far, that's going to be my focus for the next year or so. And then I'll I'll hopefully try to do as much as I can. But like I said to you, my, my late thirties is going to be about having kids and, you know, working as much as I can alongside that. Um, but in the future, like I'd love, to, I'd love to uh, get back to, chore- to choreographing on film. I'd love mm. to. Very interest in arts therapy. I'm very interested in um, voiceover work and and acting and all that kind of stuff. So I hope that there's like a whole new chapter of my career awaiting me. Mm. Um, but as I say, my my creations right now are children. So there, that's where I'm at, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty exciting. <laughs> well, before we sign off, is there any any um, websites, things that initiatives that you want to kind of promote while you're while you're here with us? I would say, um, yeah, new, sure. I'm promoting a new kid. No, I'm not really, but um, <laughs> I'd say I would. I'd like to promote um, a good friend of mine has a company on the island. Uh, called the Helix Dance Company. Her her name is Sarah DeVito and her partner is uh, Dina. And they, I just think that they run and curate the most beautiful program for dancers on the island. And that's something we we didn't we get, didn't touch base on. But like a question you guys had said to me is like, what would you like to see in the dance world mm. that you're not seeing already? Mm-hmm. And these dance these artists provide opportunities for dancers that are non-competitive, just like the act of performing and the act of creating shows, um, which I'd love to see more of in, I love, I wish that I had more of that growing up where it was like not always in a competitive atmosphere, just like the act of creating a show, um, funding towards that. Uh, and I think that they have a really good grasp of that. You could probably find them helixdance.com um, and they're located in Parksville and they're just like one of my favorite 
companies to work for and to teach. There's something really special about those kids and those teachers over there. So that's my chosen plug for the day. Nice. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Well, we're going to have to sign off, but I kind of feel like, Ashley, we deserve a few more conversations with you. That the, that was, the time just flew. <laughs> so we'll need to do that more and, uh, and you know, maybe catch up on what it's going to be like to have two entering the picture and what that begins to look like. <laughs> um, and otherwise, um, for any of you that are watching, um, we would love for you to check out all the rest of our podcast series. This is now season three, is it, Danielle? Um, it is. And yeah. we've got a lot more great content on Voice of the Artist Dance Edition. Uh, we are a production of Bez Arts Hub here in Langley, BC, and we'd love for you to check out our site there. And uh, anything else from you, Danielle? No, I appreciate everybody's time. Like, honestly, thank you so much for all of your insight. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah, Yeah, really great. We look forward to another conversation, but otherwise, for now, we'll have to sign off. Good seeing you all. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us on Voice of the Artist Dance Edition. Voice of the Artist is a production of Bez Arts Hub, and works in conjunction with many other dance organizations and studios. To respond to us or let us know what other topics you'd like us to cover, email hello at bezartshub.com. For more information about us, go to bezartshub.com dance. We'll see you next time.